That's all I want to do tonight is just magnify God and who he is. Magnify his grace, magnify his love, his mercy towards us. So if y'all would, turn y'all's Bibles tonight to Psalms 121. We're going to talk about God being the keeper of our lives and what that looks like, what that means, and examples of it through the Bible. So I'm going to start in Psalms 121. I'm just going to read through it real quick. I'm reading out the NLT, but uh, yeah, I, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go both now and forever. And God's really used that this psalms in my life in times of great despair or darkness, depression, whatever it might have been. God has used this psalm in my life so many times. It's eight verses long, and it talks about God keeping you or watching over you, protecting you seven times. So God's really trying to stress the point here that I am the one who watches over your life. I am the one who keeps you. I'm never sleeping. I'm never growing lazy or getting tired of watching over you. There's not one moment in your life where I don't know exactly what's going on in your life. And so I want to speak to that and encourage you guys with this tonight because it's an incredible promise from God and it's been so real and so faithful and it's up to us to believe him. And and I, I want to talk tonight, too, especially to a certain person tonight, not like a name, but somebody who's going through something. And, of course, there's people who go through trials in life where, you know, they don't know why they're experiencing it. Kind of like Job. Like, God, why am I going through this? I haven't done anything that I know of that has caused me to face these consequences. So as much as this chapter applies to those people who are going through trials just for whatever reason, it also applies to people I want to talk to who have, who know the reason why they're going through trials. Maybe it's because of sin. Maybe it's because of failure in life, regret, things like that. And a lot of times, I mean, God has so much mercy for us that no person is outside of this promise from God. No matter if you've messed up in your life, you have deep shame, deep regret, whatever it is, you still are applied, you know, you, um, what's the word, qualify for this because of the blood of Jesus. That God is still the keeper of your life, even if you've messed up greatly. And he's going to work everything out for good in your life for those who love God, called according to his purpose. And he also makes everything new. So there's nothing in your life that you've done that's like, I know God's the keeper of my life. Like, imagine saying this to yourself. I know God keeps me. I know he's my good shepherd. But I also know I've messed up pretty bad. And there's this point in my life, I know God's going to bless everything else, but I just have to live with this regret. I have to live with what I've done. And that's not the case. That's not what God wants you to do. God wants to take that burden off of you. So if we can turn to Genesis 29, um, talking about Jacob and Esau. Y'all could actually go to Genesis 33 if you want to stay there. I'm going to kind of, it's ringing a little bit. I don't know if y'all can hear that. Um, Genesis, I'm going to start in Genesis 29. Y'all can stay. I'm just going to kind of summarize it because I don't have too much time. But most of us know the story of Jacob and Esau. And Esau was the firstborn. He was supposed to inherit the whole birthright from his father Isaac. And that involved like the promise of God from, to Abraham that you're going to have 
you're going to have your many descendants are going to be a huge nation. God's going to bless you, and eventually with the line of Christ, the Messiah is coming out from your line. But Jacob was deceiving. Jacob was wicked. Jacob was evil. Along with his mother's help, they deceived their father, and they deceived Esau. And so what Jacob did was awful, and so bad that Esau wanted to kill him. He wanted to murder him. And Esau, it said Esau comforted himself with the thought of murdering Jacob. I mean, it's, it's a lot of hate there, but, um, but Jacob deserved it. Jacob deserved to, to be, never be home again. He, in fact, so Jacob left home to go live with his uncle Laban. So Jacob had, because of what he did, he had to run away from home. And it said he was with Laban for 20 years working. So Jacob was away from home for 20 years. He, he didn't get to see his father. Like his father passed away. He didn't get to tell him goodbye. His mother eventually passed away without him being home as well, I believe. I could be wrong on that. But, but just think of what, through Jacob's mistake, what he had to go through. I mean, we've all gone through things that I could fear and everything. But I don't know. I've never gone through this where I've had to fear for my life because somebody wants to kill me. Imagine every night you go to sleep, every night, every day you wake up, that's always in the back of your mind. Your regret, your mistake is always in the back of your mind. You think there's no way God's going to redeem this in my life. And so I want to go through here in Genesis and show you how God is still the keeper in Jacob's life. Even though he made a terrible mistake, a very selfish mistake, God redeems him through it all because of his love, because of his mercy, and because of his faithfulness. So you all have to turn here about Genesis 28. The first time or the first day that Jacob leaves and flees from Esau, he's in Bethel. And we know what happens in Bethel. God appears to him in a dream, in a vision, and he speaks his promise over his life. I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions. I'm going to jump down to verse 15. What's more, I am with you, and I'll protect you wherever you go. One day I'll bring you back to this land. I'll not leave you until I finish giving you everything I promised you. And so that's just the first instance where God shows up in Jacob's life. He just ran away. He just committed a, hor a horrible sin. And God meets him and tells him a promise of blessing and faithfulness. And it's, it's like that scripture. It says, even if we are unfaithful, God remains faithful. He can't deny himself. God made a promise to Abraham, his father, and Isaac. And even though Jacob broke it, basically, God kept his word and kept being faithful. Um, and we definitely know that applies to us through Jesus today. But then I'm going to fast forward to when it was time for him to leave Laban. So he'd been Laban, with Laban for 20 years. Laban ripped him off in multiple ways with his daughters and the cattle. And how Jacob basically made Laban very wealthy. And Laban took a lot of it and didn't let Jacob keep most of it. Um, but God appeared to Jacob even there and... In 31, he tells Jacob, it's time to go back home to your father, father's land. And it's time to go back, but I'm going to be with you. I'm going to bless you. And he says, for I have seen how Laban has treated you. I am the God who appeared to you at Bethel, the place where you anointed the pillar of stone and made your vow to me. Now get ready and leave this country and return to the land of your birth. And all throughout Genesis and the story of Jacob, even chapters on from this, Multiple phrases, it says, and God saw, and God saw so many times. And it's like, if God's the keeper of our lives, he's never asleep, he's never slumbering. It says, he says, I've seen how Laban has treated you. So again, God's appearing to Jacob, 
and tells him to go home, but don't worry, I see you, I'm with you, I'm going to be with you. He's still keeping his life. Um, and then I'm going to go to chapter 32. So this is the, I guess, he's on his way back home. He's about to go see Esau, so as you can imagine, he's probably terrified. Um, he knows Esau hates him, he knows Esau wants to kill him, and even though he has his promises from God, he's still, he's still human. He still has a lot of doubts and a lot of unbelief. Um, so he actually asked his messengers to go before him. Jacob is very wealthy. He has a lot of like cattle and herds and, and servants. So he asked his messengers to go before him and go talk to Esau the first time. And he says, tell Esau that I have a lot of wealth. I have a family. Hopefully this will allow him to show some kindness to me. And so his messengers go out and they come back to Jacob and say, Esau is on his way with an army of 400 men. So naturally, Jacob's like, this, this is what I deserve. I'm about to die. He's probably going to kill my family. I'm going to lose everything. And so the first thing he does, which is the right response, he cries out to God. He asks God to save him. He reminds God of the promises to him that, God, you promised me I'd be able to return back to my homeland and you would bless me and you would be with me. And then after that, he also thanks God for his love and kindness and how he's blessed him this far. But then after that, he still has some doubts. So he, again, gets his messengers, puts them in groups of three, and says, I want you to go and bring gifts to Esau, one by one, one after the other. And so hopefully I can appease him with these gifts, and he won't kill me, he won't hate me. And so Jacob's trying to work this out in his own strength. He's trying to say, I'm going to make this right the best that I can. And he goes out, sends all these sorts of gifts to Esau. Um, well, not yet. He's preparing for it. The night before this happens, um, Jacob says Jacob was left all alone in the camp, and he was by himself. And we all know that God appeared to him, and he wrestled with God all night long, and he didn't let go until God blessed him. So, as you can see, in, in very pivotal times of Jacob's life, the first time he was he was away from home, he was on the run, and he was by himself. God appears to him, tells him, "I'm going to be with you." And then, when it's time to leave Laban, God appears to him again, tells him, "I'm going to be with you." And then the most pivotal moment of his life, he's going to meet Esau. God appears and blesses him and tells him, I'm going to be with you. So you can just see like God's character here, God's faithfulness, that he is, in fact, the keeper of his life. No matter how much Jacob messed up, I'm sure this wasn't the only time, but God kept Jacob in every area, in every moment. And so now if you want to turn to Genesis 33, and we're going to start in verse 1. So then Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and his two servant wives. He put the servant wives and the children at the front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph last. So he was pretty much preparing, like, we're going to spread them out because we're all going to die probably, and hopefully they can escape if they're far out. So then Jacob went on ahead. As he approached his brother, he bowed to the ground seven times before him. Then Esau ran to meet him and embraced him, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they both wept. And as such a beautiful picture of the reconciliation and the redemption God brings to our lives. Um, Jacob didn't deserve this, and all the gifts that Jacob brought, Esau basically just disregarded them. He didn't even care about them. And all he did was just he was happy to see his brother. And it shows God's faithfulness that even though Jacob did not deserve this, God brought reconciliation and redemption in his life. And so it just a, it's a good picture of God being the keeper of our lives and him being faithful to us 
So I encourage you tonight. And we all have shame and things we regret and things we think like, well, this is just my life. I have to live with it. You don't have to. If you can believe God is the redeemer of your life, he redeems you from destruction, he's making all things new, we say that. Do we believe it? Do we live it? And so if we believe he's the keeper, then we can have a, a hopeful future, an expected end, nothing that we have to be afraid of. We might have to go through hard things. Jake had to go through hard things, but every time God showed up and told him I'm with him. So whatever you have to endure, you can trust that God's with me right now, and he's going to bring me through it. So one more um, scripture. What time is it? How long have I gone? Oh, sweet. I won't be as long as you did. So, um, so Psalms 116. So most of us know the Psalms, but I really love it. And the Lord really spoke Psalms 116 and 121 to me together as like one passage. It says, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. Because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. Death wrapped its ropes around me. The terrors of the grave overtook me. I saw only trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Please, Lord, save me. How gracious the Lord is. How good he is. So merciful this God of ours. The Lord protects those of childlike faith. I was facing death and he saved me. Let my soul be at rest again, for the Lord has been good to me. He has saved me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. And so I walk in the Lord's presence as I live here on earth. And I just love that passage so much when we think about God being the keeper of our lives. If we remember that God's mercy, though, that even though like death wrapped its ropes around me, I was, the terrors of the grave overtook me. I only saw trouble and sorrow. All he had to do was call on the name of the Lord, and the Lord saved him. And he said, my soul can be at rest now, because the other version is, God has dealt bountifully with me. And as I was reading this, with just different regrets and fears in my life, I mean, growing up in church since five years old, like a lot of these things become, you just always hear it. And it's like God had to say, like, believe me. And it says God rewards those or honors those of childlike faith. Like, all we have to do is believe God for this. Call his name, ask him to save us, and believe him as a child would believe his father. Say, God, I believe that you're keeping my life from my going out and my coming in. Wherever I go, you're never, you're never just oblivious to what's happening to me. And I believe that you're gracious. I believe that you're good and you're kind. And I believe that you are dealing bountifully with me. Amen. And so we have this hope. And remind yourself of these. When you are in that pit of despair, whatever it is, to quote Princess Bride, I didn't mean to. Um, uh, just call on the name of the Lord. Get these psalms out. Pray through them. Read them. Sing songs of worship to God. Remember God's faithfulness and his promises. So I'll just close this in prayer. Um, thank you all for being patient. Lord, we thank you for this night, God. We thank you that you are faithful. God, we thank you that you are gracious and that's who you are. And we as, as your children, God, can just believe you, that that's who you are, God. No matter what mistakes we've made, no matter what our past is, God, you're the redeemer of our destruction. You make all things new. Thank you that you choose to be so gracious to us, Lord, God, and that you are the keeper of our lives. No matter what hardships we're facing right now, whether we deserve it or whether we haven't done anything to earn, do that, Lord God, you are faithful and you're working all things out for our good. And we thank you that we get to serve you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.